2021 MLS season is officially underway for Inter Miami. Not necessarily on a good note, though. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, or as we know that I like to call it in Spanish, Miami Total Football Radio. I am your co-host, Franco Panizo, on this week's podcast, and with me is El Primo, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing? We're coming a couple days away, or a couple days from the season opener, so now you've had a couple of days to reflect what you think of the whole experience and the game, and you know how are you doing, of course, most importantly. I'm good. Thank you very much, mate. It was an interesting experience. It was a good experience. I liked being back at a stadium with, with fans. You know, I was driving into the stadium and listening to reports about the European Super League and the, the chaos and crisis in, in, in soccer and everything. And then I was just looked and I saw, you know, dads with their with their kids walking to the stadium and people generally like really happy to go and see see a match and be involved in everything. And it kind of, you know, brought it home that, you know, it's all about... It's a cliche. It's all about the fans, but you know it was so good. We both covered games last season when it was you know behind closed doors, and even when they had 200, 300 people in, it was so so much better. So to see eight thousand there was was great. The result maybe not so much as we're sure going to get into, but the occasion and everything, um, everything was was awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. I think you know the fans brought an added element that, like you said, was missing last year, even during the pregame tailgates and the pregame festivities I was able to hang out with some of the supporters and interview and talk and you know it just was a completely different vibe and it actually felt a lot more like a professional sports game now like you said there were only uh, about 8,000 fans in attendance because of seating limitations still due to COVID regulations but imagine that place when it gets to 16,000 plus like they want to beginning May 29th it's going to be incredible because the atmosphere with 8,000 felt night and day different than last year when you know even when there was a couple of thousand fans in the the stadium last year it still didn't have the feeling that I mean at least from my opinion that we felt at Drive Pink Stadium on Sunday if you're listening to this for the first time or if you're a regular listener you know we always say this before we start please give us a follow on all our social media channels be it YouTube Instagram Twitter or Facebook, it all helps us to provide more of this type of content on a regular basis, especially during the thick of an MLS season. Now, we're going to talk about this weekend's game. We're going to talk about all the latest news regarding the Matuidi Gate situation and Matias Pellegrini. So, Steve, let's get to it. Inter Miami started the 2021 season on Sunday with a Game in the middle of the afternoon in sunny South Florida. Beautiful day, a gorgeous day, but the result was not as shiny. Inter Miami suffers a come from behind loss, a 3 2 defeat to the LA Galaxy. Chicharito with two goals, Javier Chicharito Hernandez, if you want to hear my Spanish pronunciation, he got two goals in the game and Sasha Kleshin scored the winner in the 81st minute. Goals for Inter Miami came from Robbie Robinson and Gonzalo Higuain on either side or on both sides of halftime. So Inter Miami came out against the LA Galaxy in a 4-2-3-1 formation and it was the projected starting lineup that we expected. John McCarthy in goal, Calvin Leardam at right back, Nicolas Figal at right center back, Leandro Gonzalez Pires at left center back, Jovin Jones at left back, you had your defensive midfielder in Gregori, Blaise Matuidi playing next to him, but a little bit more advanced. Lewis Morgan on the right wing, Rodolfo Pizarro at the 10, Robbie Robinson on the left flank, and Gonzalo Higuain, who was given the captain's armband, up top. Steve, initial thoughts on the game, your initial analysis or takeaways? Look, I mean, I, I think that they, in, in, in Miami, were decent in the first half. They were creating, you know, a, a, a few chances. I don't think, um, you know, LA Galaxy really were in the game too much in the opening stage. I, I like the look of Vasquez for, for Galaxy. I thought he looked decent. But, you know, we were sat next to each other, weren't we? You know, Grigori started well. You you were going crazy over Figal, what a player. I thought the fullbacks were doing pretty well. Robbie Robinson, looked, it was improved. Um, Tweedy was just sort of, you know, f- filtering in and out. But, you know, Iguain wasn't really on the ball. Lewis Morgan was quiet. 
um, I spoke to spoke to someone who basically said that you know Lewis was t- he was pretty tired. Um, as you know, I'm sure we'll allude to you know later on. Um, you know, fitness was always going to be a key, and I think he 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 particularly suffered. I know you said it was lovely, lovely day. It was really really hot as well. I mean, if you, it's okay for us and and, and you, the guys in the stands jumping up, having a couple of beers and doing whatever, and we're in a beautifully air conditioned press box. But I wouldn't want to be running around for 90 minutes. So that's where I think ultimately the LA Galaxy played five five warm up games. Phil Neville, Nostradamus Phil, basically predicted that <laughs> that would happen. That you know they they were more match fit than, than than Miami, and I think in the end, unfortunately, it 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 told. But I think going forward, they looked fine. I just think as the game wore on, tiredness crept in, and defensively they began to crumble a bit, as they did last year. It was a microcosm, pretty much, of of, of every game last season. Look look good, potentially going to score a few goals, but then would let would let a few in as well. So. Um, things to work on, but some improvements as well. I think, like you say, I think Robert Robertson looked, you know, pretty lively. My analysis of the game and the day is completely different than yours because, listen, I will take 90 and humid over rainy or cold any day of the week. And look, I, I fully agree with you, though, that it was, you know, pretty hot. You know, I, it was a season opener, so I dressed up a little bit more than I normally do. And maybe I might stick with that going forward, but I wore a, a red blazer with a button-up shirt and dress pants with dress shoes. No, but you weren't running around in not for no, no, and look, hold on, blazer, though, were you? Hold on, hold on. And I was out there hanging out with the fans, like I said, in the tailgate, in the sun, and I was hot and sweating yeah. and definitely like, man, I need some water. Thankfully, some some nice fans that I actually did an interview for the Miami Total Football's YouTube page, they they gave me... Uh, a water bottle. I don't know if they saw that I was struggling or what it was, but you know they were kind enough to offer me a water bottle. Um, so yeah, look, it was it was hot and fitness. If we're focusing on the game now, the fitness was talked about by Phil Neville as something that he had to manage because they they and when I say they, Inter Miami were not heading into this one at full fitness for all the reasons we've talked about on previous podcasts. Most notably that they just had interrupted preseason preparations. We'll dissect it a little bit more in a little bit because I think it's worth noting that Phil Neville said that how he and how LA Galaxy coach Greg Vanny manage the game in terms of their substitutions would have a big influence on the game. And then Phil Neville doesn't go and make substitutions until the 72nd minute or the 71st minute. So we'll talk about that. But for me, I thought Inter-Miami played well in the first half on the balance of things, you know, they didn't have much possession and they didn't high press. Now, where they did do a good job of was in closing down the spaces and limiting what the LA Galaxy did when the Galaxy had the ball. And I thought Figal was pretty solid in that first half. I thought Gonzalez Pires was also really solid despite getting a yellow card practically 40 seconds into, into the match not even a minute into the game. He, he Yeah, that didn't help. I don't think that that doesn't help at all. And that's a good point. So that first half was solid from Inter-Miami, in my opinion. And, you know, the, especially when they get the goal at the end in, in stoppage time, Rodolfo Pizarro with a great, perfectly timed through ball to Gonzalo Higuain. And Gonzalo Higuain races forward and unselfishly plays a pass to Robbie Robinson for the easy slotted finish. 1-0 Inter-Miami going into the break. Solid first 45 minutes. The second 45 minutes were not so good. LA Galaxy realized what Inter-Miami was doing. It adjusted, and then things kind of came apart for Inter-Miami, especially once the legs started to go. Because like you mentioned, Lewis Morgan showed signs of fatigue. I thought Jovan Jones started showing signs of fatigue. Certain players had a drop-off in their performance. Blaise Matuidi was another. I thought he had a very good first half, and then the second half he just kind of faded. Inter-Miami at points were very easy to play around. And again, this is something I analyzed for my piece for SBISoccer.com in my day after piece, after I rewatched the game a second time. Inter-Miami didn't press in this one. And all we've heard from preseason on was that they were going to be a high-pressing team and a possession-based team. Now, I can understand why they did not press or why they pressed very rarely in this one. And that's because... The legs just aren't there. They don't have the fitness yet. They don't have that foundation. But in that second half, they just became too easy to play through. And the Galaxy just knocked the ball around. And they ended up breaking the the defense open. 
And there were individual mistakes. There were concentration issues, which is something Phil Neville and the team talked about as well. Gonzalo Higuain also mentioned that. But by and large, Inter-Miami needed to react a little bit more. They were a little too passive, in my opinion, in how they went about things. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, but Phil Neville made the point afterwards that, um, you know, he told the team that just to, just to maybe keep keep the keep the ball short don't keep knocking it long in the second half just try and slow the tempo down just keep possession don't chase the ball the time but they kept knocking it long they kept losing possession the ball was getting turned over and then that just creates more work for them so you know yes but could he have made substitutions earlier i think he was when when they went 2-1 up i think he was kind of in in the moment and he just you just you're loathe to change it. It's going well. We'll keep we'll keep as as it is. And then eventually it got to the point where, you know, Lewis Morgan was having to do a lot of, of, of Jovin Jones's work, I think, of that you know, um, or or whatever side he was on. And, you know, he was getting more involved in it and he it wasn't working for him. So yeah, I mean, you know, it was just it was just one of one of those games where they just they they just run out of steam. But I think if they could have just slowed the tempo down as he as he as he wanted, maybe that would have worked. But you can't take away anything from you know, Chikorito, great, brilliant first goal, superb run, brilliant finish. The second goal, um, the second goal was just poor defending. You know, John McCarthy probably could have done better. And the third one, it didn't really clear the lines either. So, you know, it's just just defensive frailties sort of, um, you know, did for them in the end. It's like, again, for me, I, I, I put it more on defensive issues. I mean, I know you just gave credit to Chicharito on the first goal and... You know, it was good movement for him. It's a typical fox-in-the-box type of style of play that he has made his name off of. But even on that play, Leandro González-Pires, who, again, I thought had a very solid first half, early yellow card notwithstanding, loses him completely. He knows he's coming. He checks his shoulder more than once. I think it might have been even twice or thrice. And yet he still allows Chicharito to get in front of him and push the ball home or fire the ball home. And Gonzalez Pires is normally known for being aggressive. Oh man, it was a little, listen, it was a, it was a brilliant run. If you watch it again, he just, he senses the danger. He cut he a diagonal run, his little touch past him. And you know, it, it, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to just give that all to Chicharito. He is a world-class striker. World-class striker. He was a world-class striker. He's playing in a, He is, man. He is. He's far from what he used to be. Oh come on! But at this, at this fair, fair enough. But at this level, players like that, and you'll see it with Higuain as well. You know, whoever, you know, those guys that have come from, come from playing in top European clubs, they are a level above. And his his finishing and his presence, Seth, in that second half, was a, was a level was a level above for sure. Gonzalez Pires should have attacked that ball. If he attacks that ball, Chicharito doesn't get in front of him. He, watch the watch the run and watch the turn. The, the, the run is the run is fine. I'm not again. I, I give Chicharito credit for scoring the goal, but Gonzalez Pires could have uh, that goal could have been avoided if Gonzalez Pires doesn't ball watch. And he, and, or if he attacks the ball and it's coming towards him and doesn't wait for it to come to him, Chicharito doesn't j- pounce in front of him and, and fire it home. That, that goal does not yeah. happen. And then you look at the second goal, John McCarthy spills across that probably shouldn't even have come in in the first place. And that one, yeah. I might put a little more on, on Robbie Robinson, who a lot of people are, are, gave a lot of credit and, and plaudits to, and I agree he had a good game in the attack. Again, the defensive part is what he still said he's working on. And I think you saw that in this game because at that point, I think Inter Miami had switched, uh, had made their had made their first change, and Robbie had gone on to the Robbie Robinson went on to the right side, Rodolfo Pizarro went on to the left, and Federico Iguain was playing at the ten. And Robbie Robinson doesn't cut off the cross from Victor Vasquez. He doesn't pressure or, or, or try to apply pressure on the cross. So Victor Vasquez has all time and day to whip the ball in. It was a good it was put into a good spot. Nobody gets ahead on it and then John McCarthy kind of knocks I don't, I don't even know how to describe it because he just it just kind of clang, clanged off of him and just falls across the goal line and Chicharito just there and pounces on it and pushes it home. Again, some ball watching there from Jovin Jones. Yeah, the mark the marking on that goal. It was difficult to see what was actually properly wrong on that goal because it, it, it the cross came over and everyone just seemed to freeze and there was no marking and then McCarthy just sort of Half saved it. It was it was it was scrappy and a poor one. I think I think McCarthy saw it late, and you know so to be fair to him, I think he saw it late. But he still can't just have it clang off your arm as the goalkeeper and just leave it across the face of the goal. You need to punch that clear, punch it over the crossbar, do what you need to do. But you can't just leave it 
there at you know I said this in the video after the game that I did for Miami Total Football's YouTube page Chicharito could have just practically blown it in just gone with a gust of wind or a gust of his breath and and pushed that ball and that's how easy that goal was for him and for me the breakdowns there were on Robbie Robinson not closing Victor Vasquez Nicolas Figal ball watching because he doesn't challenge his mark so then Gonzalez Pires who was kind of marking Chicharito comes over to try to to challenge for the ball. It goes over all their heads, clangs off of John, John McCarthy, and then Jovan Jones, who should have picked up Chicharrito because he's not marking anybody, doesn't do that, and Chicharrito taps it home from, from close range, and you know the game is at 2-2 two two at that point. And then, you know, like we said before, they, they go and get a third one in the 81st minute. Which was sloppy, which again was sloppy. They just didn't deal with the ball. They didn't clear their lines properly and it was actually a great it was actually a great finish when I watched the replay. So but why 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 did it no the finish was great. Question's finish was superb. The ball curled around from the outside of the goal frame and kissed the inside part of the post and goes in. But yes the the deep like the team in general did not clear their lines. But why did they not clear their lines? That's the why is the important part. And for me when I watched back the game that night when I got home, that last goal, the game-winning goal, I put that on Phil Neville. Because Jovan Jones, again, to me, had been showing signs of fatigue well before then. And on that play, it starts off of a Nicolas Figal switch. He tries to make a, a cross-field diagonal ball, aerial ball, to Jovan Jones. Jovan Jones tries to track it. He gets near the sideline and heads it forward. He can only ma- manage to head it to, like, an empty space where Rodolfo Pizarro and I think it was Dunbar. No, O'Neill Fisher. O'Neill Fisher, the Galaxy right back. They're both there. It's a 50-50 ball. O'Neill Fisher gets to it first. He races forward. Pizarro kind of lets up, which was not the greatest visual if you're an Inter-Miami fan. And Jovan Jones, who was behind the play, tries as hard as he can, but you can just see he just doesn't have the legs. Like you can, he does that motion when you know when you see a player running and then they like push their head down, like they're trying to dig really deep. But he never gets there. So Fisher just has the whole flank open, and he's able to whip in the cross, and it ends up falling to to Sasha Question. Blaise Matuidi gets a touch on it, but can't clear it out. It falls to Sasha Question, and he scores. He scores the goal. Phil Neville should have made substitutions before the game, or, or I'm sorry, during that second half before he did. And should have made more of them because he took too long, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, he said he said he said that was what what he was going to do. I guess you know he assessed the the state of the game and thought, oh, maybe I could just hang on. It's you know it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I, you know, you, you, do you stick or do you twist? He doesn't have too many options off the bench, but yeah, he'll he'll probably look at that and think, yeah, maybe maybe I could have changed it a little bit earlier. But they you know they were kind of winning and you know they they were drawing and they came back and they were. It was the game was in the balance, wasn't it? It's not as if they were getting beaten five or six nil. It was very much in the balance, and yeah. But that's not the only time to make substitutions, man. Like he he said it before the game. He said it on Thursday last week. I'm probably gonna have to start making substitutions from halftime on. Something you noted when we did last week's show because you were like, you know, it's not not normal when coaches come out and say something like that. But because of the situation that we've talked about for weeks and their fitness issues, he acknowledged he had to make subs, and he even said. The phrase, and I, I'm not quoting it word for word here, but you know I'm uh, paraphrasing. But he said, "How me and Greg Vanny manage the game in terms of substitutions will probably have a big influence on the match." And that's exactly what happened because if you look at the goals that the Galaxy scored in that second half, they scored three. One of them was assisted by a substitute, and the game winner was scored by a substitute. Why did Phil Neville not make the substitutions? And I, I know he explained saying, you know, the game was like you just mentioned, was in the balance and they scored and they were up and they, they were about to make substitutions when it was 1-1. Then they got the penalty kick that Gonzalo Higuain pushes home for the 2-1 lead. And that kind of maybe changed his opinion. But if you know that your players are not at ideal fitness and their tanks are running low, I don't, I mean, you need to make changes. You knew you had to make changes. So I I mean, I'm not going to put it all on him because he was, you know, dealt a, a, a rough hand given how preseason went out. But he should have definitely managed this game and this second half better than, than he did. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'll look at reflection and think that maybe he got caught up in the moment where I was watching him when he scored when they scored the opening goal. He was going crazy on the sidelines. So um, yeah, yeah, a, a learning a learning process for everyone. Who who impressed you? Who impressed you in this game? Obviously, it, it might be tough given the way that second half 
played out because even the players that I thought had really good first half maybe didn't have great second halves. But like Figala, you know, second half was completely different than the first half. Gonzalez speed is the same thing. But who did you like in this one for Inter Miami? Yeah, um, like you say, I think I thought Figal did did okay. I thought the fullbacks looked okay to begin with, and they they kind of faded. I thought Grigore looked decent. You know, like quite a good fall from Matuidi, but you know, they're quite similar players, aren't they? So it's going to be interesting to see how they can they can dovetail. Iguain was Lewis Morgan was pretty quiet, um, and then Robbie Robinson sort of worked hard. Please, he got his goal. Um, I've gone through the whole team, other than John McCarthy, who probably did also did okay. Um, yeah, but maybe Gregory, I think the first sort of 30 minutes, he looked, I think he looked decent. Um, but again, this is a guy that hasn't really, like the others, he just hasn't played. So that's your man in the match, Gregory? Oh, Pizarro as well, Pizarro. We're going to get to Pizarro. I, th- I thought Pizarro did okay. I just, I just maybe I'm set the bar too high. I just, I just, ex- just expect more from him. I just think, you know, in, in the final third, I think he's, he's nice touches and he's obviously great on the ball. He gets he gets around a bit, but he also wilted. I think he, he didn't wasn't really tracking back for the third goal. Um, I don't know. I just maybe just expect expect a bit more from him. I know you're going to say that he's a new Pele or something like that, but um, <laughs> I don't know. The, the jury is still out of it. I, so I, wait, wait, who is your best player? Who is your man of the match for Inter Miami? It's a good. It's a good. It's a good question. Um, I'd give it to Robbie Robinson. Okay, you give it to Robbie Robinson. Energetic, energetic with and capped energetic display with a goal. I liked him better in this one than I did in the last preseason scrimmage that we got. I liked him better in this one than I did in the in the opening game last season against LAFC, where he looked pretty raw. Here he looks a bit he looked a bit better and was playing in a slightly different role as well, wasn't he? he was he was moving into space and yeah, yeah, yeah. And never brought him up preseason, isn't he? So he, he must like him. He was good in transition when he had space and he could go at defenders one on one. I liked what he did there. Showed some willingness to go at at the Galaxy defenders and try to make things happen. Thought his decision-making could have been a little bit better in terms of when to combine with Higuain or when to look for Higuain um, and then when to shoot, but a solid performance for him. Him and a solid performance from Higuain and Pizarro, in my opinion. I thought they were the three best players for Inter-Miami. That Those three in the attack showed a lot of good things. Now, that doesn't mean they had flawless games. Again, Robinson, I think, is to me, is partially to blame for that second Chicharito goal. I also think Iguain needed to get a little more involved in those opening 20-30 minutes. Again, Miami did not have much possession. They lost the possession battle in this one by a wide margin. So that hurts or that impacts his ability to influence the game. He also had a couple of rough touches when he did get the ball. So, you know, some, some things to clean up there on his end. But for me, Rodolfo Pizarro, and yes, I acknowledge that he did kind of let up there on that last goal that Inter Miami gave up, still think he was the best player. I still think he showed a willingness to try to make things happen on a regular basis. And if you look at the two goals they scored, he plays the quality through ball to Higuain to help set up the first, and then he draws the penalty kick that Higuain puts away on the in the second half to make it 2-1 to one in Inter-Miami's favor. So Pizarro, again, like everybody else, wasn't perfect, but for my money, he was still... Um, cut above everyone else just yeah no no he thought he was sharp yeah yeah he looked he looked sharp yeah for 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 periods for patches i i know you don't love pizarro i know you have your pizarro i just want more i just want to see more i just want to see, i think there's a good player in there for sure i just want to see see more of it i want to see him dominate i love that saying i'm glad you brought it back this season there's a good player in there <laughs> i don't think he's a 10 i don't think he's a 10 if you're expecting him to pull to be a 10 and and play that way i don't think he's ever gonna do that for you because i don't he's not a 10 he he has good technical abilities and you know he can help unlock a defense on on occasion but he's not a pure number 10 he's not going to break open defenses like Diego Valeri uh, at the Portland Timbers or like Emmanuel Reynoso of Minnesota United he's not that type of player he's just not going to be that type of regular facilitator or regular creator sorry he's more of a facilitator so I think if you expect him to be that maybe more old school traditional number 10 where everything goes through him and he breaks lines and he plays that final pass on a regular basis. I think you're going to regularly be disappointed, Steve. Well, you know, let's, 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 let's see, let's see what, what Phil Neville thinks, you know, thinks or tries to, tries to do with him. I just, 
as a, as I guess maybe just because of the fact he's a he's a DP and you just you know you just expect these guys to turn it on and turn it off like a tap. So um, let's uh, let, let's see how he goes on Saturday night. Hey, he still got an assist and set up a penalty kick in this one, so it's not a bad haul for your number ten, even if he's not a number ten. Like now, let's quickly switch gears to this weekend's game. Inter Miami on Saturday plays the Philadelphia Union on the road at Subaru Park. The site of Gonzalo Higuain's MLS debut. Now, if you remember... Stormy night. What a stormy night that was. If you remember clearly, it was a stormy night. Higuain maybe was a bit unlucky not to get on the scoreboard on a few different occasions. Hit the post on one overhead kick that he attempted. But he also had that penalty kick that he missed high and wide in the second half. And then the Philadelphia Union players kind of euphorically celebrated his miss and he got in their faces and they had a whole little skirmish or exchange there. It kicked off. It kicked off. Do you think any of that will remain? Do you think he'll head into this game with that in the back of his mind or that they'll think about any of that? What do you think? Well, I mean, uh, well, you have to ask him, I guess. But, uh, you know, it was just, the pressure was on, wasn't it? The spotlight was on him. The spotlight is always on him. But I guess, you know, he, he actually admitted when we spoke to him, you know, the other the other day, didn't it? That he, he definitely found the first few months or weeks in, in MLS difficult. He struggled to adjust physically to it. It's completely different to playing in Serie A or La Liga or the Premier League. Um, so he's he's got a few games under his belt now. He's got experience. Um, but he's he's got a bit of fire in his in his belly as well, isn't he? Which which you, which I like. You've got to have that, especially as a as a, as a top player, as a, as a supposed top player. Um, yeah, you want to have a snarling sort of guy, and, and and I guess Phil Neville will encourage him to be like that because then the Union defenders will probably thinking on you know they don't they'd rather see him on the bench than on the team sheet. Put it that way. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he reacts. He's, but this is the guy with who's played played in the World Cup final, by the way. So I was there when he did play in the World Cup final, and he actually famously missed a great chance early on, which my Argentinian handyman will never forgive him for. But that's a different that's a different conversation. Um, but he's played at the highest level, so he knows how to handle himself. Sure, I, I still think that that will be in the back of his mind. I think that that he'll have that chip on his shoulder, and he'll be like, you know what. I'm going to get these guys back for that. I don't think he has completely forgotten about it. That's just my opinion, though. I don't know. We have not talked to him this week, so and we won't get to before the game, I don't believe. So we won't know, but if he scores, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little added pepper, salt and pepper, in his celebration. Steve, Philadelphia is coming off a 0-0 draw against the reigning MLS Cup champion, Columbus Crew. That game was in Columbus. Both teams played close to or their starting lineups as you would expect for a season opener. Steve, what are, you, what, are the, what are the keys to this game for Inter-Miami for you? I think they've, they've got to just make sure that they're just hard to, hard to break down. And I think, you know, when the ball comes into the box, that they, they deal with it because they didn't really deal with it, you know, properly the other night. So um, the chances will come. Maybe he'll, he'll, he'll look to soak it up. The, the game is, is played in the evening. It's not going to be as hot in Philadelphia as it was in South Florida. On Sunday, which is another factor for sure. Um, so let's just see what they've learned and learned from you know the mistakes they made on Sunday. For me, it's figuring a way to press Philadelphia a little more when they have the ball. Now, they're, again, they're not going to be able to high press and they're not going to be able to press for the 90 minutes. They just don't have the legs in them for that, even with one game under their belt. But they need to press... At certain points when Philadelphia has a ball in their half. And that's, again, to reiterate, because I don't know if I was able to fully express the thought and my analysis from this last game. Inter-Miami made a conscious and deliberate decision. And it's not something Phil Neville said, but I, I saw it, and this is just my analysis. I saw it when I rewatched the game. They made a conscious and deliberate decision not to press. They preferred to contain, even when the Galaxy got into their half. Very rarely did you see players tight on their marks they always kept a few yards distance away from the players that they had to keep in front of them it seemed like they just wanted to keep their defensive shape and structure and try to stay organized and it worked in the first half it did not work in the second half so Jim Curtin is a savvy MLS coach he will see that on the tape and he will say look if they're going to give us that time and space we're going to do what the Galaxy did 
and we're gonna pick them apart. Because at times during that second half, and this might sound harsh, Inter Miami looked like traffic cones. The way that they were just so easily played around. And there's one moment in the 60th minute where Kelvin Leardam, the right back, presses and he tries to get tight to his mark and tries to go into a higher position to win the ball. And the Galaxy just smartly use the space they have to play around him in a triangle. And he just frustratingly puts his arms up in the air and is like, well, where's my help? That, that He just was like, what the heck? Why is no one pressing with me? So Inter-Miami has to press at least when the ball comes into their half, at least on some occasions. They very rarely did that in, in the second half, again, and, and even during the course of the game. And again, I know fitness is an issue. And, you know, they have to manage that the best way they can. Phil Neville is a bit hamstrung in that regard but they just can't just give another team in major league soccer all the time and all the space to to figure out what they want to do with the ball i get wanting to be organized and keep defensive shape but at this at this level with the team especially against the teams you're playing that have caliber players like you mentioned chicharito on the galaxy they're going they're going to pick you apart they're going to if they're playing close to their top level so Inter Miami has to do that, has to press. And if you want to see a clear image of what I'm talking about, go on the twi- my Twitter handle at Franco Panizo or on SBSsoccer.com and the analysis piece, and you'll see the image. There's I've taken a few images from the game. I even put in some lines to show. There's lines, there's everything. Yeah, it's just yeah. like VAR all over again. It's <laughs> there's you know X's and O's, man. Trying to trying to do a little more diving into the X's and O's for the hardcore fans that want to talk about tactics or want to discuss tactics or want to have more insight into what Inter Miami is doing. So. Uh, definitely something to to check out. Lineup? Do you think they go with the same lineup, Steve? Um, I mean, considering the the fitness problems that they've they've got, maybe he will, you know, mix it up a bit. I know we're going to talk about the game that they played against Miami on on Tuesday Tuesday night, Monday night. Um, but that would have mainly been sort of squad players, wouldn't it? So um, yeah, maybe he will mix it up a little bit. We'll have to wait and see. But um, doesn't have a lot of options off the bench, does he? What do you think? I mean. It is tough. It is tough. We haven't spoken to him yet. We will speak to Phil Neville on Thursday, so we'll have a better idea. Then we're recording the show on Tuesday evening, coming out Wednesday. So we won't not have spoken to him until after this goes out. I think we could see the same lineup. I think we could see him actually make substitutions a lot earlier, though, because that team did hold up well in the first half. Defensively, they held up well, and... The attack on the counter, they looked the more dangerous team. But then in the second half, like we've said, the team the things changed and it didn't work out that well. So I could see the same lineup, but I would expect this time for there to be substitutes made or substitutions made from as early as halftime, if not the 55th, 60th minute mark, because they're not going to be able to hold on again. Just like they didn't in this game, they just they just don't have the legs in them. If, so if that's the if that's the biggest lesson Phil Neville can take from that game, make substitutions earlier because your players are not there. Yeah, I hope we're not talking about the preseason all season because it's going to be really, really, really annoying. But anyway, it, it is it is what it is, I guess. I mean, like like Lewis Morgan said last week, there's no excuses. There's no excuses now. I know I know Phil Neville after the game said, you know, we're still playing, we're still catching up to in that regard. It's not an excuse. It's just a fact. It is just a fact, but you still have to get results, right? So hopefully this in this one for Inter-Miami's sake, they can manage it a little bit better and that they can get the result because Philadelphia is a good team. They are the supporter shield reigning holders, so won't be an easy task. Steve, we'll leave it there. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back to talk about other news regarding the team that has nothing to do with Sunday's game or not directly, but we'll do that after this. Okay, Primo, so there was more news that came out at the tail end of last week and on Sunday at the stadium, and it was in regards to Matuidi Gate. On Friday, MLS announced, was well, wasn't its findings because they haven't announced that yet, but they gave an update, I guess, on the with regards to the Matuidi situation and investigation. And they said they have found that Matuidi's compensation was above the TAM threshold in 2020. 
And what that means, Inter Miami played with four designated players last year unofficially, and that's against MLS rules. So Inter Miami broke Major League Soccer's designated player rules last year. Inter Miami is going to be punished. MLS said that in their press release. They will be announcing sanctions as well as concluding the investigation in the short term. Don Garber spoke to us on Sunday at halftime of the Inter Miami LA Galaxy game. He reiterated that, said they have to defend the integrity of the league's rules and the league itself. And it doesn't matter who your owner is or anything of that nature. Sanctions are coming for Inter Miami. He said they would come this week. We've talked about what we think they could be, but now that we have a little bit of an update, we have a little more information. What are your thoughts, Steve? Are you worried for Inter Miami in terms of what could happen to them this week? Well, I mean, you know, I thought it was brilliant by Don Garber. You know, he, he came to speak to us. He was, oh, wow, it's amazing. What a great stadium. And it's fantastic and a fantastic atmosphere. And he's like, yeah, we're definitely going to um, sanctions on, on Inter Miami for sure because of the, because of the Matuidi thing. And also, yeah, maybe they're not socially distancing behind the goal. But anyway, but so he was kind of killing, killing Inter Miami with kindness, really. But um, it's, it's, yeah, they, they, like you said, I think he said the, the key quote I used for one of my reports was our, you know, our rules are sacros- sacrosanct. You can't do that. They, they contravene the rules. And whether or not they gave him a house or they gave him extra things just to to, to ease his move through, um, we, we don't really know yet. They said that the details will be announced in, in due course, as will the, the punishment. We're, we're speculating as to what the punishment could be. It could be a transfer ban, draft picks or what whatever, but... He was pretty adamant that they, you broke the rules. You're going to have to pay. I think it's pretty simple as that. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what what the what the what the decision is. There's a section of fans out there, and mostly on the Inter Miami side, that are worried about what could happen. Then there's fans that are a little more jaded in terms of other teams around the league say nothing's going to happen in Inter Miami. And you know, if you look at the pregame photos that are out there, Don Garber is hanging out with David Beckham, Jorge Mas, Jose Mas. Chris Henderson, they're all posing for photos together. Based off the photos, it doesn't look like there could be big sanctions or big punishment. But I think that there will be. And talking to Don Garber at halftime just further underlined that belief for me. They're going to get the hammer hit over them pretty hard. We don't know how exactly Don Garber said there will be transparency in terms of the findings and in terms of the sanctioning when that's announced at some point this week. So... We'll see what the ultimate decision is and come back next week and talk about it. But man, I don't think I don't think it's good news for for Inter Miami. Now we did ask Don Garber whether Paul McDonough, the former Inter Miami sporting director, was included in the investigation. Because if you remember, when this was initially announced, a couple of reporters, very credible reporters, came out and said that Paul McDonough was not part of the investigation again those are credible reporters but i couldn't believe that to be the case i just couldn't unless he pointed the finger and had he gotten himself immunity i just couldn't see that being the case i mean i don't know how you feel about that what you thought i mean no he he was in charge at the time so he must have been consulted i mean that's you know um we don't we don't know as you've alluded to you know there are reporters that are closer to him than maybe you or i but I mean, just just on the plain plain facts, just reading between the lines. I mean, the guy was in charge, so he, his his name would have come up uh, uh, somewhere. And MLS have been, were very keen to stress to us, as they have done to me previously, and as they did in front of all of us on Sunday, that the investigation has been very, very, very thorough, and that is why it's taken so long. And so it, it would be impossible for them to have not consulted or spoken to Paul McDonough and or Diego Alonso, who were both in charge at the time. Yeah, and look. Paul McDonough had his hand in so many jars at that moment. He was not only the sporting director, he was also overseeing the business side. He had a lot of influence and a lot of power within the organization at that time. So I do not see how he could not have known about it at all. Whether he was the one that had the extra or gave the extra compensation or not, I don't know. But there, I don't. I can't imagine he did not know. I just can't imagine that. Maybe it was David Beckham. Maybe it was Jorge Mas. There are unfounded rumors. Well, not unfounded. Unconfirmed rumors out there, like you mentioned, about Blaise Matuidi being given a house. We don't know if that's official. Those are just, as of right now, unsubstantiated rumors. But if that is the case and that is what's going, or that's what's being considered as extra compensation, well, then someone 
broke a rule there, whether it's the owners, whether it was the sporting director, someone there messed up. And I think it's off the books, right? Because MLS cuts the checks. MLS has the salaries somewhere in their league headquarters for the whole league. So I can't imagine that this extra compensation was on the books and they just now realized this. Oh, well, we messed up last year. I think the compensation has to have come off the books. I mean, that's just what I think. Again, not any inside information, but I mean, is that your read into it? Is that what you believe? Yeah, 100%. That, 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 that point about MLS, they, they would know. And definitely, you know, the, the feeling I've, I've been hearing from, from Miami, or from the Inter-Miami camp, is that they're worried. They're worried that what they found had gone on in the past, and they're worried about now what the sanctions will be. Because it must you know, they've been found guilty, so they clearly have done something wrong. And as, as we've said, you know, they've, been, they've uh, compromised the integrity of the league, they've broken the rules, and they're going to get punished. Simple as that. Well, along with that news on Friday came the news that Inter Miami bought out Matias Pellegrini's contract for the year. Now, in layman's terms, and this is going to be a little confusing, bought out means you buy out the contract. That player is no longer one of yours. That's not the case here in MLS where things are a lot more complex. Pellegrini's contract was bought out for this season. So he's no longer able to play for Inter Miami in 2021. He has been loaned to Fort Lauderdale CF, the USL team. So he can play for them and train with them this season and this year. My understanding, my read on it is Inter Miami is just buying time because most transfer windows across the world are closed right now, if not all of them, maybe aside from MLS. So by keeping him on their books, but not having him eligible to play for the first team, they can still sell him later on this year, maybe as soon as the summer, and try to recover some of their investment into him by selling him for X amount to whoever. But Pellegrini has been hard done by, my opinion, because he now cannot play at for MLS. That hurts his development. He can train with the USL team, but the USL team's full of young kids So, I mean, he's not necessarily a super wily veteran himself, but it's still not what was expected for him. It's going to hurt his development. It's going to hurt his stock, and it's just not a good look for Inter-Miami. Obviously, this is something that the current leadership inherited, but just just not a good look for Inter-Miami. No, and shame for him as well. You know, he came over from Argentina. He's living living in a foreign country. Uh, He's a young kid. Um, he had then the pandemic hit and everything was up in the air and it, you know it's, it's very unsettling especially for a young guy who's probably not lived outside of the country um, in, in his life you know it's difficult and now all of a sudden he's you know he's been he's been sent you know sent to play away from the first team he's, he's not allowed to play for the first team or the Inter-Miami team for the rest of the season um, it's probably dented his confidence um, it's probably hurt him it's probably annoyed him um, he's still going to get paid. Am I right? Yes, yes. He'll st- still, still get paid. paid. You know, he hasn't been completely hung out to dry, but he's a he's a victim. I feel so. I feel sorry for him because just because he's a young he's a young player just trying to make his way, and you know they paid a lot of money for him, and it's just you know it's been a diff- difficult experience. I bet he just wants to go home now and just fi- move on and and, and and forget about it. But he, you know, it's not as easy as that, is it? Well, so that's the thing. That's the thing. For me, because Inter Miami try to come out and paint this as like, you know, we're doing the best for all parties. But I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Because if they wanted to do the best thing for all parties, they would have just bought him out outright, let him be a free agent, and then he has so much more flexibility to go and pick what his next spot is. Be it in a month or two months from now, he has so much more freedom as a free agent to find his next home. But Inter Miami wants to recover some of the, its investment. That's why they're holding on to him. That's why they didn't buy him out outright. And that now still puts them in a tough spot because now they have to still come to terms with another team at some point this year to sell him. It's not up to him entirely now. Uh, Inter Miami still has to find if they want to, oh, well, this team hasn't hit our number yet, or this team has hit our number, there's still negotiations Inter Miami has to have to sell him. And it's just not, it's just not a good look, man. It's just not a good look. Again, not something this current leadership 
has done. This is something they inherited. But I feel like they could have maybe managed this a little bit better still. And, you know, what added salt in the wound or what just further highlighted this was Pellegrini's Instagram post on Saturday or, on, excuse me, on Sunday afternoon. I don't know if you got to see it before the game. But he posted a picture of him. I saw that. I saw that. I posted a chance. picture of himself. It looked like in his apartment complex gym. By himself. Empty gym. And he was wearing, notably or maybe not notably, an Estudiantes jersey. No mention of Inter Miami. Nothing. Just him in there. It was kind of sad. It was just like you said. It's just kind of, I don't know, a little emo uh, you know, for lack of a better phrase. And and it just kind of depicts his situation perfectly, though, because it's, it's just he he deserved better, man. He deserved better from, from Inter-Miami, from MLS, from whatever. I know it's a tough situation for the club to be in. I understand wanting to recover some of their investment. They spent a lot of money on getting him. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, what, what else could they have done, though? I mean, you know, played devil's advocate. What else could they have done? Let him go. They're going to let him go anyway. But, like... You know, you're already doing him rough as it is. Just let him go. Let him be. Let him, you know, figure out his career. He's not going to play for this team again. He didn't even play for Fort Lauderdale over the weekend. Maybe, you know, they said, let's give him some a weekend off to, like, you know, process this and deal with this. I don't know. But it just, it, it still could have been handled slightly, slightly better from, from the team. Just That's just my opinion. Just my opinion. We'll see what happens with Pellegrini. I think it'll be some time before there's a resolution in that regard. But Steve, let's quickly switch gears to something you brought up a little bit earlier ago. Inter-Miami held a scrimmage with Miami FC on Monday, the day after it played its season opener against the LA Galaxy. You have some news and notes on that match? Yeah, uh, apparently 3-1 to Inter-Miami in the end. They were um, losing 1-0 at halftime to Miami FC, who are still a couple of way, weeks away from their um, season openers in the in the USL. I'm actually unable to know exactly how strong the Inter-Miami team would kind of assume that it wouldn't have been complete full of first-teamers, would it, considering they were, um, you know, they're, they're obviously playing on, on, on Saturday night. Um, but... At least I think the fringe players would have, would have got a, a decent run out in a game which you know we know should have been played a couple of weeks ago. So they're just they're just I guess exploring every angle to try and just make sure to get as many minutes and as many legs as possible. Yeah, I mean to me, obviously this caught us kind of by surprise. We didn't know this was happening. All eyes were kind of on Sunday's match against the Galaxy, and then over the last twenty four hours, you know, there was this news started popping up and whispers started coming out about a friendly being played against Miami. Miami FC. Like you said, it has to have been a case. It has to have been a case of Inter Miami playing its reserves and the substitutes maybe that entered the game on Sunday. Because typically the day after a game for muscle recovery and everything, it's a regeneration day. So can't imagine any of those starters played a single minute in that game. Obviously, that's not information. I don't have that confirmed. I don't know if you do, but. Just I can't imagine any starters from Sunday played a single minute on on Monday against Miami FC. I think you would probably get the reserves, maybe some USL players, and of course uh, the substitutes that maybe went into the game a little bit and only had a few minutes here and there on on Sunday. So fitness seems to be the point of that match. Seems to be you know something that they're looking to improve on. That's what I would assume from the outside looking in. Hopefully it helps them because. They need to they need to get to fitness as quick as possible because clearly it it affected them on on Sunday. Steve, let's take a quick break. Let's come back for the Q and A and our final thoughts after this. It was always going to be a case of cat and mouse. Uh, they made substitutions and they brought players on that probably had been playing a lot of games in in preseason. Uh, we still we still are playing catch up in that respect, but it's, it's not an excuse. Uh, it, it's just a fact. Q&A time. Steve will just jump right into it. So the first one comes from Bruno Tank Evan21. How long do you believe it will take for the team to become fully match fit? Also, what do you think about our bench? Do we have enough skilled players waiting to actually become difference makers when they come into games? Steve, you can start here. The plain fact is that LA Galaxy played five, you know, preseason games against MLS teams 
Miami played two games against USL teams. I think it's going to take them, unfortunately, maybe two or three weeks to, to get up to speed. Definitely, as we just mentioned, the backup players had a decent run out on, on Monday night um, and they did great by, by all, um, all things considered. Certainly what I've just been told. Um, but... You know, it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit of time. I just think it's a shame they didn't get a win on the board on on Sunday. That would just give them a bit of confidence, something to build on. They're kind of on the little back foot now. Lost the first game, but you know, let's see how they how they go on on on, on Saturday night. I, temp, the cooler temperatures could could certainly help them for sure. And yeah, with the bench, it's, it's that's the worry, isn't it? How deep is the squad? Not really. Um, you know, Federico Higuain is a, is a, probably a good option. You have got Carranza as well, so he, he has got some options. He has got some options up top, which Ryan Shawcross as well could, could you know, feature at some point over the next few weeks. So, um, you know, it's just a case of managing the squad. For me, I, I've said this for weeks now. It's been in all of my preseason coverage of the team. Depth is a question mark, a big question mark for me. Do they have enough depth to really ride out a 34-game regular season? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure, uh, you know, in terms of being able to consistently get results with what they have when they need to rotate but how long it'll take for them to get fit that is a great question I don't have the answer to that I wish I did I could imagine it takes them anywhere from three to four weeks I could imagine I could that's what I would envision because preseason normally is six weeks so three to four weeks they obviously have had some foundation because they've had some preseason but it's been interrupted so I could imagine it being anywhere from three to four weeks but again I'm not a physical trainer I don't know the exact details of where each player is physically, but that's where I would imagine more or less is what they're probably looking at roughly because, yeah, fitness fitness is, is, a, is an issue. Next question comes from Fighting Herons. Do you think the lack of possession by Inter Miami will continue going forward or was it just a tactic used in this match due to lacking fitness or the opponent? I'll start here. I'll reiterate what I said in an earlier segment. I think it was a tactic used to combat their lack of fitness. However, that lack of fitness will probably still be there this week. So will they have the ball? Will they try to press and take more of the ball and have more of the ball? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I think you might see a similar type of more reactive game from Inter Miami where they try to hit a little bit more on the counter as a as opposed to being the protagonist that they've said they want to be. I think that's just a natural byproduct of the lack of fitness, the lack of legs under them. So we'll see. We'll see how they do against the Philadelphia Union. I think it, it depends game to game. I think that's the, that's the interesting thing with MLS, isn't it, is that conditions dictate a, a lot because they vary so, so much. I think playing high-pressing games in 90-degree heat is different to playing away at Philadelphia on, on a Saturday night in, in, in April. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think it, it depends on the situation, really. Yeah, but they, they, Phil Neville said during preseason he wants this team to be a position-based team, and he has to know going into the year that Inter Miami plays in a hot, humid market, so it's going to be yeah, hot. Not all the time, though. They don't, play in, they don't play in hot, humid conditions all the time, do they? In only half the matches. I mean, half the matches, yeah. They're, I mean, they're going to, but if you want to be a possession-based team, you don't, you're not possession-based team half the time, then you're yeah. not going to have a defined identity. So I think he knows that. I think it's just right now they just don't have the fitness to try to go win the ball and try to then keep the ball. I think that, that it's going to take some time. But I do think eventually they're going to try to be a team that searches for the ball, tries to win the ball, and tries to keep the ball. I think we'll see that when they actually get to, to their peak fitness levels. Next question comes from Endo. Who do you guys think will captain the team against Philly? Any changes Any changes to the starting 11 that was fielded against the Galaxy? Thanks, guys. Well, he's named four captains, isn't he? So maybe once someone else is, is going to get a is gonna, is gonna get, get a go at it, I guess. Gonzalez Perez, maybe, to give him a bit of a, a boost after after what happened. I'm told Ryan Shawcross played pretty well on, on Monday night. He could he could get the nod. I, don't, I, I can't really see him making too many changes at the back. Can you? I don't see... Lineup changes. If there is one change, maybe it's taking Lewis Morgan out. Maybe just because of where he's at with his fitness. And then maybe you give Federico Higuain a start. Possibly. I, I like yeah, to see that. I liked what I saw from, from Federico Higuain, although he missed that glorious opportunity to tie the game at three to three. 
near the end of the match, he had a good look. He one-timed the shot, but he just couldn't put it on frame. It was so close, so close, but so far. So I think that could be one change, could be, is the key, or the key words. But I think you'll see the same lineup. That's just my opinion. As for who I think will be the captain, like Steve just mentioned, Phil Neville, after we recorded last week's show, announced that he's not going to do things the traditional way. He's going to have four Inter-Miami captains. And they are Gonzalo Higuain, Blaise Matuidi, Victor Ulloa, and Leandro gonzalez Pires. And he said that those four will rotate the armband over the course of this 2021 season. Gonzalo Higuain had it on Sunday. I think it will be Blaise Matuidi's turn on Saturday. It's just my gut feeling. No inside info there. Last question, Steve, from Eric. Is it fair to say Phil Neville got outcoached in the second half? Seems like we struggled to match substitutions that Greg Vanny made in the second half. Yeah, I mean, we've touched on that. I think think there was definitely an element of being sucked into the occasion. Miami weren't getting completely steamrolled. You know, the game was pretty tight on on reflection when you look at it. Um, Yeah, could he have made a change early? Yeah, maybe, but... Was he outcoached? Look, I, I, I don't think so. I just, I just think he, as I said, I just think that the, he got a little bit caught up in the moment. I think he, he tried to stick with what it, what it, what he wanted to do initially, and for, for whatever reason, in terms of tiredness or fatigue, you know, fatigue, the heat, everything, it just didn't work. But as I said, I'm repeating myself. But in, on reflection, the game was pretty tight, wasn't it? There wasn't much in it at all. It could have gone either way. Uh, it, it went against into Miami this time. And I think, you know, that everyone will learn from it. I'm not just sitting on the Phil Neville coated fence, but I think, um, you know, it was just, that that was just the way it is. Are you sure? Because I don't know. I always see you on some fences, bro. I feel like I see you there a lot. No, listen, I think outcoached is maybe not the right word in, in, no. in this sense, because there were certain circumstances that you have to take into consideration for context and the bigger picture his team is limited physically for reasons outside of his and their control, or mostly outside of his and their control. However, did his lack of experience maybe show here? Did he maybe muck it up by not staying to his initial plan, which was to make substitutions? I think so. I think that, that is something I wrote. I think that's something that can be said. And I, actually, I don't think it's been talked about enough. Yes, it's his first game. Yes, he's got many more. He'll learn from it. No one's saying hashtag Nev out. But I think that he did not make the most of that second half. That he could have managed it better. Yeah. And, and, and you know, worth pointing you know, Greg Vanny obviously is very experienced in MLS. Yes. Isn't yes. He? You know, six, six years in Toronto. He spent a year at Chivas. I mean, you know, he's... he's, he's he knows that he knows the league. league. Phil yes. Neville hasn't managed in this league, and it's completely alien and different to anything else he's been involved with with England women, with anything else he was in Valencia, he coached at Man United. It's completely different. So, and it's, it's his first managerial job, you know, full time being a manager. So, um, yeah, I'm not making excuses for him. You know, you know, he's a big boy; he can look after himself. But um, yeah, Greg Vanny knows the league. Phil Neville doesn't know the league. That's it's, that. That's as it's as pure as simple as that, really. I think that is very notable because that's, you know, I was on Onside Radio last Friday and I was asked by Big O, shout out to Big O, about why I thought the LA Galaxy would win because that was my prediction going into the weekend. And well, I, to- I-, I told him, besides the fact that Inter-Miami has these fitness issues and that their depth is a question, Phil Neville has inex- has- is inexperienced in this league and Greg Vanny is the opposite. Very experienced in this league, has won an MLS Cup, taken his team, previous team, to multiple MLS Cup finals. He knows how to manage in this league. He knows when to push the right buttons and what levers to pull when they need to be pulled. Where Phil Neville will be figuring that out over the course of this season. So I think yeah. this, I think that's what we saw happen on Sunday. Greg Vanny said, hey, I'm making changes as soon as the 55th, 56th minute because he knows, he has experience. Phil Neville maybe got caught up in the moment with the game and took and, – and maybe didn't take into consideration the the important fact that his team was not at their peak fitness and and that proved costly. But yeah, I mean, yeah, just just put put yourself play play football manager. Put put yourself in his shoes when you're you, if you're winning or you, you're competing in the game. You know, do you change it? Do you, do you stick with it? It's that's why they get paid the big bucks, I guess. 
Steve, we got one more question. Just snuck in right before we wrapped up the Q&A session. And it comes from Jorge Medina. What does Neville take away and need to adjust going forward after the first game, especially with two tough away matches coming up? Second question, if possible, is McCarthy to blame for the two goals scored by Chicharito? We just touched on Neville, so you can touch on the McCarthy one there a little bit more if you'd like. Oh, I mean, look, yeah, it, it, on reflection, when they when he sits down and watches the replay of the, the second goal, yeah, he probably he probably could have done better. Could have done nothing with the, with the first goal, as I've lauded and waxed lyrical about the wonders of Chicharito. <laughs> um, and and again, the third one actually was was also a great finish. It wasn't necessarily his fault. I think it was more. I think it was Matuidi that was failed to actually clear the ball. They just didn't deal with it. You know, the, the the first rule you're taught as a defender: if in doubt, you kick it into Rosette, kick the ball out into the stand, kick it to Miami to fall over wherever. <laughs> and they didn't do that, and and they 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 got punished um, by two good finishes and just a sloppy one in 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 sandwiched in between it. So um, you know, I just there were there were negatives and there were there were positives to to, to take, and that's as simple as that. Could you see a change at goalkeeper? Do you think he could go with Dylan Castaneda, or do you think it's too soon to? Put- I don't know. He did okay, and he did okay last season as well, didn't he? He's not. He wasn't. Remember, he was. He was the new hero, wasn't he? When he came in, when he came into the side. So, as we said, could have done better in second. I don't think he was at fault for either of the other goals. I think it was what happened in front of him, put pressure on his shoulders to then, you know, whatever happened happened. So, um, I'd, I'd, I'd stick with him for the for the most part anyway. And then we got the guy. We got our our friend coming in from Holland uh, later on in the summer, Nick Morrisman. Uh, so to answer the question. I gave him the worst rating of all the players on Inter-Miami in my player ratings piece. Gave a goal to Chicharito. Gifted a goal to Chicharito, the second one. The first one, that's the one I put least on him. I know there's been some criticism about the ball going through the five hole, through his legs. But that happens. The third goal, based on where he was positioned, maybe you'd like to see him dive there. But given how it was shot... And like I said earlier, the ball curled from the outside of the frame to the inside, kissed the post and goes in. Hard shot, but yeah, he probably should have made an attempt. Probably should have at least tried. But I don't think he had a great game. Now, what does Neville need to take away from this and, and move forward with? Like I said before, just he's going to have to gain experience, maybe get his players to mark up or mark a little bit tighter, even if they want to play counterattacking soccer. Because it just wasn't just wasn't good enough in the second half against the LA Galaxy. But that does it for the Q&A session. For this one, Steve, give us your final thoughts. I'll give mine, and then we'll wrap up this week's pod. As I said, great. It was a great occasion. It was great to see the fans back in the stands, um, having, having a good time. Social distancing, fine. Okay, look, you know, they whatever happened, happened. But on the whole, I think people are respect, respectful of, of the rules. It looked good. It's just nice to see, you know, smiles on people's faces walking to the stadium. It's such such a great tonic in these sort of crazy, weird, weird times. And I, I just think it's going to be exciting covering covering the team. You know, it's it's never dull. There's there's goals. There's goals at both ends, which is you know, which is something they've got to work on. But you know, um, it's 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 entertainment wise, it's 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 up there and it's it's good it's good value. So let, let's hope they can get a positive result on. Um, on Saturday night, and then that just gives them a bedrock. I don't think we want to get into situations we were last season when they went 0 and five, and then the pressure just builds and builds and builds. And I don't want to, I don't want that narrative. So let's um, let's hope for a, pos- a positive result on Saturday, and then they can build for the, for the for the games coming up. I'll do a bittersweet final thought, starting with so, s- so negative. So st- negative. Starting with Sunday. Starting with Sunday. It was a fun event it was a fun game it was a fun day at the stadium from a professional standpoint being with you and the whole media squad and we took a picture before and we put out social media got a lot of funny and interesting remarks but it was just a fun fun day and on a personal note not not professional note although the professional part was great too again got to meet some fans got some feedback on the work we do and that was nice but on a on a personal note I was also able to see my family take in an MLS game in South Florida for the first time, which was awesome. They were so excited. I went to go see them before kickoff, and my mom was happy as can be, my stepdad as well. My brother was a little calmer, surprisingly, because he's he's the hard more hardcore fan, but it was just good to see them 
in that in that environment there's soccer loving family we're all we're all soccer loving family members so clearly so it was just good to see that it was good to see that and i'm sure they had a lot of fun during the game especially when the when the goals came in my stepdad wasn't too happy about the final result definitely gave me an earful about what he thought went wrong in that second half but awesome to see and awesome to spend some time with them uh, at in their seats before before kickoff now the sour part is that there's going to be some bad news for Inter Miami this week if MLS holds true to what Don Garber said. How bad will it be? We'll talk about that next week if it comes out, but it could be pretty bad. And that could be not maybe something that impacts the players, but that does influence the tone of things going into the weekend. And that, you know, you don't want that hanging over your head, but it very well could be something that lingers into Saturday's road game against the Philadelphia Union. Steve, before we go, I don't think we made a prediction. Steve, give me a prediction for the weekend. Give me a result. Uh, 1-0. 1-1? Draw? Yeah, draw. Okay. I'm going to say... I like that. I like a draw. I think a draw. I don't, I, I'm not going to say loss. I'll say uh, 2-2. 2-2. 2-2 draw. We'll leave it there. That's all for now. We'll come back next week again. We'll try to come back on Monday night recording, Tuesday night episode. This week we had to... St- do it a little bit a day later because of the game being on Sunday. But don't forget to follow us on all our social media channels and leave us a review, please, if you haven't already, on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out tremendously. For Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. We will talk to you guys again next week.